This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Welcome to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim in the studio with Pastor Michael and Pastor Craig. And we have questions today that have been submitted in regard to our sermon from last week. And the question from last week's sermon was, is Jesus really God? So you guys ready for the first question that's been submitted, guys? No. Well, you're going to get it whether you're ready or oh, not. Is that mine? All right. Yes. So here you go, Craig. This was, I think, is actually directed at you. Oh. <laughs> Where in Scripture are you a Christian? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Why is your hair like that? Yes. Where in Scripture does it describe Jesus, Jesus' creation of the spiritual realm? Is it like the Genesis account of creation? All right, you're up. Well, thank you, Tim. <laughs> I want to just say all glory to Tim, and yes. thank you for— I'm glad to be here today. <laughs> so this was an easy one, actually, and not to demean the uh, the person who asked the question, but because it's a good question. However, this one is an easy one because it's addressed directly in Colossians chapter 1. When we are told about the preeminence of Jesus Christ in Colossians chapter 1, which is pretty much what the whole chapter is about, it describes his character, his attributes, even what he has done in the action of creation. And if you start in verse 15, he's the image of the invisible God, firstborn of all creation, which does not mean he was born first. It simply means he has preeminence over all creation. He's the first, the the star of the show. Verse 16, for by him all things were, and here it is, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So, uh, he was in the beginning with God. He, uh, John chapter one, he was the agent of creation. He was involved in making all these things come to be, whether they're things that we see or things that we do not see. You know, what I appreciate about what you just said there, your Colossians written by Paul, but you, you referred to what was written by John in John chapter one, verse three, all things were made through him and without him was nothing Made Right. This is a theme that's carried all the way through Scripture, uh, right even from Genesis 1, where it talks about God in this pluralistic idea, mm-hmm. not meaning that he's a pluralistic God, but that he is a three-in-one right. concept. So it's backed up all the way through Scripture. Yeah. If you read through um, Colossians chapter 1, you're thinking, well, how do you know that's talking about Jesus? If you go down in verse 20, it says, he has made peace by the blood of his cross. So there's only one person that has done that. Sure. Clearly Jesus Christ. Yep. So here's our second question that's been submitted based on the sermon from last week. Only God has the keys to death. Doesn't he alone, meaning God, I'm assuming God the Father, alone also have the keys to life? So I'm assuming the the reference is, okay, what about Jesus? Does Jesus have the keys to life? That's a good question. Yeah. It appears that uh, the Father raised Jesus from the dead with Lazarus. Uh, it appears that way. It appears. <laughs> that would be correct theology. <laughs> yeah, we would agree that God did this. Yes. God the Father yes. from the dead. Stab it. No, that was good. That, no, I, you got it. I was being like, it was sort of sarcastic. Oh, you know? yes. Okay, like, got it. It got appears because it. it says it was like, anyways. But then, you know what? Someone might not know me and they might not know, that, you that, know I, that, stuff. that I know that stuff. They're like, well, he's, he's clearly... Has dark rim glasses, Wisdom so he must be stupid. Years. You know, I mean, I get it. It's a I his jeans are a little too tight. Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, so, 
It appears <laughs> that the no, father no. raised Jesus from the dead because he did. Because he did. Uh, it also is clear Jesus gives the father glory for raising credit and glory for raising Lazarus from the dead. Mm-hmm. And that the whole concept of the resurrection is is happening by the father. Now, here's here's a question, Craig. Genius. Scholar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now I put my foot in it. Yeah, right. Uh, who in scripture— is given credit for the resurrection of the dead at the end times. Is that Jesus? So, or because when Jesus was in the flesh incarnate mm-hmm. on earth before he was glorified, mm-hmm. he laid aside some of the privileges of deity, and the Father enters into that, validates mm-hmm. his deity through uh, the resurrection of Lazarus, through his personal resurrection. All these resurrections are done by the Father to validate Jesus. But at the end, in the resurrection, is there ever any place? I've actually never considered this directly. Mm-hmm where Jesus actually does the raising, or is it just reference that the dead are raised? I'm going to go out on a limb here, and perhaps theologians around the world will begin calling in after this, this statement. If it's wrong, it's Craig. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Give him my address, phone number. Anyway, uh, you get to Revelation, and again, it is very clear who we're talking about. We're not talking about the Father. We have a tendency to think of God as with this beard and this guy in the sky and kind of thing. But uh, when we are taking to Revelation chapter 1, where John gets a glimpse into the end times, the first person that he sees on the island of Patmos as he's, as he's uh, exiled there is he sees Jesus Christ. And again, we're given uh, characteristics and attributes and even some of the details of mm. what he's holding there. And it says in John 1, 17, when I saw him, this is John speaking now, I fell at his feet though dead, but he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not, I am the first and the last, the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. Clearly talking about Jesus, no. not the father. Yeah, but the father did that too. <laughs> That's him. right. But yep. then he says, and I have the keys of death and Hades. But now, what about the keys of life? So Jesus has the keys of death. He controls the time of our death. Seems to be after the resurrection that's the case because— Controls who goes to where in the afterlife. Well, he's the final judge. But when he rose from the dead, he said, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. I think that's all a part of his new role as the victor of the dead. But you're saying, does he give life too? Is he— the person who raises people from the dead. I, I'm going to say yes, by the way. I, I mean, my two I'm, I'm cents I'm going to say yes, be, too, because I'm looking at uh, John chapter 11 in that account, verse 38, is where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Yeah, yeah. And he prays to, to the Father, and he says, Father, I thank you that, that you've heard me. But then he tells the bystanders, hey, watch what's going to happen here. And then he said these things, and he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. He did not say Father, bring Lazarus from the grave. He did not say, God, will you do this? He's the one that commanded Lazarus to come out of the grave. Mm. That's interesting. And he also says in that same chapter, I, speaking of himself, am the resurrection and the life. Uh, Yes. So there seems to be an authority that is given to him in his ministry and especially after his resurrection where I would feel comfortable with Tim saying that he is the determining factor of who raises and who goes to eternal judgment. Good. All right. So this next piece is a little bit long, so just follow along with what the person who's asking this question or making these statements. What do you say when people mention cults that get people to believe in a religion that really is not true and commit suicide for it? So I'm assuming what they're saying is, what do you say to someone who says, okay, you've got got people who are following a cult, 
and they know it's really not true, but they will give their life for something that is not true. So on Sunday, we made a, a defense for the resurrection. And oftentimes what we do in apologetics is we make what's called a cumulative case argument, meaning not one thing on its own will make the point. But when you start accumulating the evidence and putting it together, you're left with an irrefutable conclusion, right? And, that, and that's how trial lawyers Correct. work. So like when we think about Craig, okay? Um <laughs> Does Craig have a brain? Well, I've never seen it. I've never touched it. Never experienced it in my life. I, well, but you know what? Like, you should ask my wife. All the evidence of having a brain is everywhere, you know? And like you could say, well— Size like, of a mosquito. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> you could say, well, he blinked. Well, you know, maybe a dead person can blink and their brain isn't— You know, I don't know, whatever. But like he has all the evidence. And so you take all of that and you're like, well, one piece of evidence, whatever. But enough of it is sitting in front of us that we're like, we can say conclusively, though we've never seen it by faith— that he has a brain. We're good, right, Craig? You following me? <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah, right. Hang in here, buddy. So my point in saying this is is uh, one of the one of the pieces of evidence was the life and death of the apostles, the disciples, and all the followers of Christ. And and we we had said that they were so convinced of they saw a dead Jesus and a risen Jesus. Yes. That they would be willing to die for them. And this person is saying, okay, um, you said Michael. Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, a cult leader, or the Lord. Well, he really could be a cult leader because people die for cult leaders all the time. Actually, the question makes my point. People die for a cult leader usually because they believe they in them. They believe what they're saying. They believe in them so so intrinsically Correct. that they're willing to give their life for him. Absolutely. And so I think the point that it actually makes is that the disciples and multiple people were so convinced and convicted of what they saw, a dead, resurrected Jesus Christ. Now, the difference, I think, between a cult leader and Jesus is a fewfold. Number one, uh, it is that these people um, died excruciating deaths for this. This wasn't just like a like a one time, like we're all together. Kool-Aid. Like Kool-Aid thing, mm-hmm. you know. This was, they had years and years to ponder a separate apart from um, their friends who they saw this. They all went in different directions across the known world at the time, northeast, southwest. So it is a little bit different on that level. Um, it's not your typical cult leader, if you will. But um, that on its own, I would not say believe in the resurrection only because of the disciples. I do believe that is one piece of the pie that when you put it together with the archaeological evidence, the historical evidence, the, the theological biblical evidence, the relational evidence of Mary and the brothers of Jesus, like you put all of it together and you start to come to an irrefutable conclusion, which is that there was a dead guy named Jesus of Nazareth who was killed by Rome on a cross, was dead and buried, and then was without explanation raised again from the dead, alive. It just adds to the cumulative case, but on its own, Jesus could have been a cult leader. And that was actually one of the things that I posited, like who claims to be God and forgive sins and to talk to God regularly? A crazy person, mm-hmm. right? Who could plausibly get this many people to, to give their lives away? Well, he's either the best cult leader we've ever seen times a billion or there is something supernatural but about if, him. But if a cult leader claims that he's going to raise himself from the dead, which Jesus did over and over and over and yes. over again. Jesus 
raised himself from the dead over Jesus and over. <laughs> we just talked dead. about this. Just, I mean, if you want to send your letters, his address is <laughs> 643. If, if you, no, no, no. If, if you got a cult leader that claims he's going to raise from the dead and then he's yeah. dead and he doesn't raise from the dead, you're going to have a lot of people it, it, walk away. It's a major issue. Yeah. yeah. Cult the over. Cult, cult leaders, when they when they get people to die, they usually do it when they die. Yeah, yes. right. Or they say, the whole world's going to end on December 8th, 1988. Yeah. Well, then December 9th comes and then it's like, Okay, we should probably go right. somewhere else. Yes. I got the equation <laughs> wrong. It's actually two years from 2012. now. Sorry. What makes the point of this is in Acts chapter 4, where Peter and John have such boldness. They go before yeah. the Sanhedrin, the very same organization, same group that had Jesus mm-hmm. crucified. And they have such boldness and they say, hey, you're the one that executed our Lord. He's the one that rose from the dead and we're following him. If they thought that for a nanosecond that they were following a liar or a lunatic, yeah. they would not go before the very same ones that they just saw have their master crucified. Right. And if, be they, no way. if they weren't sure of it, I mean, these guys could produce a body and kill the whole thing right there. Oh, yeah, exactly. So they were quite sure that they had seen a risen Lord, that he had ascended and, and that the tomb was empty as evidence. All right, guys, here's our final question. Michael? Yep. Ready for this one? Mm-hmm. What about Lazarus? Lazarus was dead, and then he was alive, <laughs> and then, and he, was then alive. he was dead again. <laughs> yeah. I think Lazarus had to be the most ticked-off guy on the right? face of the earth. Well, yeah. Because, I mean, can you imagine going through death, right, which every one of us tries to avoid as as much as we can. Then he go, then he finally does die. This excruciating, whatever he does, it's it's painful, right? Then he goes to heaven, and it's like, oh, thank God. Mm. It's all over. I'm with— But Jesus wasn't there. It, well— <laughs> read C.S. Lewis. So, uh, so, but anyway, he's Jamie he, absent from the body, he's present with the Lord. So he he is yeah he is where he's supposed to be. Then the all conversation of a sudden, must be it's, hilarious. It's like he wakes up in the tomb all tied up, smelly, and everything, and he has to come out in front of all these people. And, and Jesus is going, "Hey, I brought you back." I'd be like, "You got to be kidding me!" <laughs> I was just I, I kind of like that. Where I was at, I was just playing golf up there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You assume Lazarus went to heaven. Yeah. And then he's got to die again. Yeah. Ugh. All right. So the question is implying uh, that if God raised Lazarus from the dead, why do we not think Lazarus is God? And I'm going to tell you the simple answer. Mm. God explains why people are raised from the dead. They're, so God can raise anybody from the dead. So Elijah raised the widow's son in First Kings, I believe, 17-ish. And... God wasn't validating Elijah as God or the widow's son as God. Uh, In fact, Elijah gives credit to God. God is the one who does it. But what God is doing when he raises somebody from the dead is he's making a point. And so with— He's validating the message. He's validating the message. And so here's what Jesus says in uh, John 11, verse 4. He says this, This illness, talking about Lazarus, does not lead to death, which is ironic because he does die Mm -hmm. (laughs) of it, you know. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God himself may be glorified Glorified. through it. So the Word of God tells us the purpose of these resurrections. And so the purpose of the resurrection of Jesus was validation, Mm -hmm. not of Lazarus, but of Jesus. And the Word of God also tells us the purpose of the resurrection of Jesus is validation, not of anybody else, but Jesus. His message. Mm -hmm. Correct. So if God is the only one that can raise from the dead, we have to ask, why is he raising people from the dead? Well, he raised Jesus from the dead to validate Jesus. Yes. He raised Lazarus from the dead to validate validate Jesus. Jesus. So what we're not saying is just because someone is alive, that makes them God. 
what we have to be able to say is because somebody is alive, God did it, and we need to figure out why God did it to that person. It's also interesting in the resurrection of Lazarus, if you read through the Gospels, Jesus starts walking around with this guy that was dead. Yeah, right. And he ticks everybody off. Because the Pharisees are looking to trap him like they've done for the last three years, but now he's got this dead guy walking around with him, and they can't trap him anymore. So that's when, you can read the Gospels, that's when they decided we got no other play here, we got to kill him. Because they couldn't argue the fact that Lazarus, who was dead, is now alive. How dumb do you have to be to be like, <laughs> right to, right well, to he's your, alive. Yeah. Let's right, kill him. Right. <laughs> but it's, so, it's so, right to yeah. your point yeah. that Lazarus, his resurrection was to validate Jesus', Jesus claims yeah. and his message. So I'm going to throw out a, a question that I was really surprised that no one asked about the resurrection. Of all the world religions, I'm looking at Pastor Craig and Pastor Michael. Punt. All right. So. Either one of you two can answer this question because I think I know the answer that I have. But I want to hear what you guys have to say about this. We'll try to get as close yeah, as okay. we can. No pressure. Yeah, 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 no pressure. No pressure. I, I got already the right know answer. the right answer. Of all the world religions and all the world religious leaders, has anyone claimed resurrection like Jesus? No. Has well, any of the followers of that leader no, claimed resurrection? Not that I know. Or even deity. Some of them have claimed to have that kind of power, but none of them have pulled it off. And yeah. their believers and the followers of theirs never claimed that they did. No, I think Buddha claimed deity, didn't he? I don't know. We speak with lack of information. Well, to me, that is just one of the most inconvenient problems that all world religions have. When they compare their leader to Jesus, none of them have a leader that rose from the dead. All world religions, save for four are based on philosophical prepositions. The only four that are based on human beings are uh, Judaism on Abraham. He was killed. He's dead. Uh, he's in heaven, of course, but mm-hmm. he's, you know, <laughs> he didn't raise from the dead. Buddha, Muhammad, and Jesus Christ. Okay. Those are the four personalities mm-hmm. that four religions of the world are based on. Confucianism, for instance, is not based on him. him it's based it's, on it's philosophy. philosophy. So those four are based on human beings. And out of all of those, only one of them claimed and did raise from the dead. And I think that's where we can drop the mic and say, yes, Jesus clearly is God. The Buddha question is actually really confusing. I want to go back to that. <laughs> because on the one hand, they're considered to be an atheistic philosophical way of thinking. On the other hand... They self-proclaim rebirth and some other things that like imply rhythm and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And they use words like gods and demigods. Mm-hmm. Like, would he ever call himself God? Well, no, but they do have vocabulary. That's really that's frustrating. Close. I guess the answer would be, I don't know. <laughs> I don't understand Buddhism and I think it's illogical and it is inconsistent with science and reality and everything else. But that's no offense to our Buddhist friends. Well, listeners, thanks for joining us today <laughs> as not, we've laughed our way through this one. How do you not take offense to what I just said, actually? It just came out of my mouth. I'm like, yeah, no offense. You're ugly. No I'm, offense. I'm leaving again. <laughs> Please come back next time when we do another series of questions based on what you've submitted. What should I look for in a senior pastor? 